2: You know, that should have been easy going, but it was hard work. Should have been light work. It turned hard work for the Reds. Uh, seven goals and fields, Liverpool four, Spurs three. I think everyone's trying to catch their breath. I mean, it looks like a fun game. It wasn't easy and it wasn't fun viewing. Um, and joining me on this podcast, we're going to talk about the game. I'm delighted to be joined by. Um, First up, I've not spoken to him in a really long time, um, so it's it's great to have him back on. It's Carl. Carl, welcome back.
3: Thanks, Nina. Glad to be back, and glad it's it's with a win. Um, I was I was a bit nervous. I think we were saying the WhatsApp group. I you know was hesitant to sign up to this one. I don't like playing Spurs, but I'm glad we we came out with the result.
2: Yeah, I mean, to quote Gags there, we almost were all Spursy on ourselves. And joining, joining Carl on this podcast, I'm grateful that you're on and I'm glad it's a win as well. Joining Carl on this podcast, it's Kay, Welcome back.
4: Thanks very much, Nina. I was just like Carl. I was not that hyped about doing a Spurs game, but we were at Anfield. So I was like, you know what? This should be fine. It's fine. We're in good form. It will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not.
2: <laughs> well, you know what, we got the points, and that's the main thing. Right, I'm glad you did substitute the word "fine" with "fun" because you know what, it really wasn't that. So, you know what, let's crack on with this. And Carl, I'll come to you first. Team lineup. I mean, what did you make of the team lineup? Um, Ibrahima Kanata comes in for Joel Matip, who was um our saviour um midweek. Uh, so Kanata comes in, and of course Jordan Henderson being benched for um Elliot. So, what did you make of the starting lineup? And yeah, Diaz Cueganes as well, of course. Of course, Diaz
3: i mean we we were certainly expecting a, a couple of changes. It was a quick turnaround from the the midweek game um Henderson was obviously going to drop out i mean he was he he was already beyond his limits, starting against West Ham so i mean that was a clear one i mean if he started today, you'd probably expect him in the first five minutes to go down injured um but obviously, the expectation there was that thiago was going to start, but he was missing for the lineup and i'm not I still haven't seen anything on on why. You know, that might be the case. Hopefully it's just illness or, or something like that because, you know, it. we need him for the rest of the season. Um, but Elliot comes in and I know a few people have kind of called for him to, to kind of play in, in that right-sided role in this new system. And I'm sure we'll come on to how he how got on there. And obviously, as I said, Diaz comes in on the left. And I, I think that was no surprise given that Chada um, is another kind of player that needs to have his minutes. Mm-hmm managed um you know we we've seen with this system maybe one of the things that's been lacking is some natural width on the left you know people people have been calling for that and we, we've certainly seen different Differences when Diaz has made these little cameos, so it was no surprise that he came in. Um, but obviously, again, we we knew he wasn't going to make a, a full ninety. It's, it's still a long road from. Um, so I wasn't too surprised with the that the players that came out of the lineup, but it was certainly a surprise to to see Harvey Elliott in there ahead of Thiago.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was very, very shocked as well. And obviously the only thing I saw of Tiago was uh, him being, um, the translator for Nunes when he came on. And, you know, that was it. He was wearing his big duffel coat and things. Kay, same question to you. Team lineup. What did you make of it? And, uh, you know, I think Carl hits the nail on the head there. Um, you need to change things up. These games are coming quick. We've got another one midweek.
4: Yeah, I, well, I heard the team news extremely late in in. Um, I was uh, kind of driving around, uh, doing family things and, uh, obviously I was a late subject for the, for this podcast. I'm like James Milner of the Anfield Index world. <laughs> I just get subbed on, make things worse. But, um, uh, so, so, uh, my point is I started watching the game and then, you know, got, uh, got familiar with the starting lineup. It was a bit of a shock. I'm I'm not sure, you know, I wasn't sure how the Jones-Elliott thing would work in, in midfield there. And uh, I didn't mind Konate so much, but it was really good to see Luis Diaz back. I think at this stage, I'm kind of treating the starting lineups kind of with, uh, you know, I'm not very invested in them because I feel like mm. Klopp is trying to see what works and put things in place for next season. I think his recent press conferences have kind of been alluding to the fact that this you know while winning is the most important thing and and we are trying to you know just win as many games as possible and uh, put momentum into the end of the season i think at the same time he knows that there's an issue in in midfield especially and in some other places and he's just looking for various solutions on how to solve these problems so yeah i mean it was it was nice to see how that kind of panned out um in the first half <laughs> a little bit but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't have too many issues. But, I, I, you know, I think Klopp would have learned a little bit from the starting lineup, And we'll talk about those issues, I, I think, as we go along.
2: I think you both make a fair comment and assessment on the starting lineup, And you always know that Klopp is going to make subs and changes as well. And, like, he's got a little bit of luxury now where he has got players more at his dispos- disposal to do things. And what we'll do is we'll go to our first caller who's been patiently waiting I, I like to refer to him as our pitch side reporter giving us fresh news and insight from anfield the lovable and um, the infectious voice of anfield index is Baji, also known as harinda but we'll call him Baji because everyone loves and respects him Baji, welcome onto the show
0: hello it's great have to have re- you on i have a very interesting story about pigeons which I want to share, because <laughs> this, this so is important. This is important. So the day before I flew out for the Champions League final, mm. three ducks, all in a line, came across the road. And there's me patiently waiting, waiting, waiting. Yep, the ducks are gone, ducks are gone, no problems, ducks are gone. I carry on driving. I hear grub, group I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. You know that sound that you hear, you know that you've, it's done you've hit the birds. You didn't mean to. I said, I was waiting for them to cross the road. They crossed the road. and I saw two and then I saw the third. I thought, all right, they crossed the road. I didn't realize they came back the other way as I started driving off. So the day before the Champions, before that was the Champions League final, I killed three birds. I didn't mean to, but we did win the Champions League final. i, 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 I yeah, read into that what you will. Today, it's really hard when you drive to hit a pigeon. If you think about it, anyone who genuinely has been driven a lot, a lot, you see pigeons all over the place. They come near the cars. They fly away and all this kind of stuff. You, gen, you don't hit them. Again, three in a row on the exit from the M42 onto the M5 to head towards Wolverhampton. And I'm thinking, oh, they're going to fly away. They're going to fly away. They start moving. I think you're going to fly away. They're going to fly away. You're going to start moving. You're moving. You're moving. Okay, great. Same thing. Bang, bang, bang. All three. Front grille of the car has been compacted nicely. So that's great. Thank you very much, pigeons. No pigeons survived. And you pull, I pulled over and I said, Oh, shit. You know, you look back, you're like, fuck, lad. that's not really what I wanted to do today. I didn't want to kill anybody. I didn't set out to like end people's lives. I definitely didn't want to end birds' lives. But three pigeons died. But it wasn't three today that died, it was four. Who was the fourth pigeon who died?
2: It's so easy. It's Michalis. It's I need this. There's an uncanny
0: resemblance. <laughs> there is isn't it it's just unfortunate I didn't drive him into him
2: yeah because and you know any celebration obviously breaking his duck and doing a
0: duck and oh it was just I don't even know what we'll talk I can't there's too much to say about got, this yes there you go see now duck and pigeon have combined in this whole story you you were the glue there you go you it <laughs> all together so the moral of the story is if I kill a few birds on the way to Anfield or to wait a Liverpool match we're gonna win when they scored a third goal, I thought this is some sort of bad magic and it's my fault. Genuinely thought, you know what, this is my fault because they got their, they got one back because of an unfortunate slip. They then got the second because, well, we were a bit lackadaisical. And then we were just playing in this really weird, kind of funky space of like, all right, we'll try and do something. It's oh, a nice character. Sunday. It yeah, Sunday. We'll, we'll play football like Sunday driving, you know, like nice and casual, nice and easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. No, they've got a third goal because. Tierney is Tierney. And you're like, right, this can't stand. If you remember the last minute time, there was a last minute winner of sorts at Anfield. We weren't there because Bobby Firmino scored it. The one before that, Spurs got it with Harry Kane and a penalty. But it wasn't a winner. It was an Mm equaliser. It was an undeserved equaliser as well. I thought to myself, you know what? We we need something today. Something's got to go our way. And it did. And how glorious was it? As it went in, it literally silenced all the spares of what was left of them because half of them decided to feel like leaving the 3-0 down. Weird budge. My question, therefore, to the panel is this. What do we do about some of our lazy play? Because we seem to do it quite a lot. There's always a passage of play and we seem to suck into it where we're just strolling around the back. Bit of doddling, bit of dwindling on the ball, but we do it quite a lot. So, what do we need to do about our lazy play? Because it's obviously affecting us. Teams can counter off it; they can nick the ball off us because of it, and we seem to go into that mindset of being lazy as well. So, what do we do?
2: Great question, Harinder. Great question. Right, I'm gonna we're gonna answer that one, and we'll, we'll talk about Rashardus in later on. I'm sure we will. Carl, I'm gonna come to you first on this one. So, obviously, um, you know. As Harinda was at the game, we looked very much in cruise control for, I'd say, the first forty minutes. It looked very calm, very relaxed. You know, we looked like we were in the game. I feel like we took our foot off the gas in like the last five minutes. They had a few chances, a few scares, and obviously they got their their first goal back in that period as well. You know, like within like forty minutes in that in that period, and we. You know, and they give us a few scares in the first half as well, by the way. You know, they could have been, it could have been easily 3-2, um, you know, before we even go in at halftime, 3-3 even. They had some good chances. Second half comes and like, you know, we, we tend to like just fall asleep. Now, first of all, I think it's a really, really horrible trait and I think this has been a thing that's been going on all season or majority of the season where either we don't look bothered, there's no fight and desire and spirit. And also we just look like mentally just we we switch off. What can you do for that? What What is there? Is it a case of new players? Is it a case of, I don't know, these players are tired. I don't use that as a legitimate excuse right now because everyone's playing the same amount of games. We're out of all the domestic cups. There's no reason for that. What is it about us that falls asleep? Because it's not only us that fell asleep against Spurs as well, by the way. Man United, the exact same thing. Do we get into a state where we get too comfortable in a game where we're like three nil up or something? And then we, we feel like, oh, we can really, really relax and kick back. And when when we drop it again, we drop it too low. I mean, we used to be really good at this. We would apply pressure and then we take it off. But we take it off in, in a very, very gradual way. I feel like we, we drop the gears too low and I feel like that's where we get hurt. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, I I, I think that certainly hit the, the nail on the head. I mean, it, it's quite natural, especially towards the end of the season, if you go, you know, three goals to the good, you, you might drop it down a gear. You know, you're, you're not pushing forward as much. You know, it's, it's been a... a a long season I know we got knocked out of the cups early enough but obviously we came into this season tired on the back of last season is so true. there you know there there is that aspect and that's fair enough but you need to do it in the the right way and I think given you know kind of our, our defensive deficiencies of of late you know they, this new system you know don't get me wrong it certainly allowed us to play much better football but it's not you know it, it, it's not invincible you know there's there's a lot of holes in 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 their defensive setup but a lot of players are still adapting you know Robertson's a, a, a left back who's been pretty jaded for most of the season who's now suddenly having to play almost like a left centre back at times you know Kanate is a young centre back and sometimes we forget it because of his early promise but he's still very young you know even before we switched the system he, he made a couple mistakes you know and, and that is down to, to his age really for me and now suddenly he's having to start to, to play another role now in 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 our setup you know so a lot of players are still adapting to us it's 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 not ideal you know and, and suddenly you're you're dropping it down levels you're you're inviting the, the team on Spurs obviously you know they're it's weird you know I, I think the commentators pointed out that Spurs were ahead of us going into this game but it almost feels like after the Newcastle loss that Spurs kind of did, you'd almost think Spurs were in mid-table and they're suddenly like caught somewhere between I don't give a crap and you know i've got nothing to lose and we saw that against united you know they they were trounced in the first half and then the second half they came out and said let's just have a go and they caught united off guard and similar happened today and i I think you know combining that you know us dropping off spurs having nothing to lose was was just a, a recipe for disaster as far as liverpool were concerned and i think it's very hard in football when you drop a couple gears down, and then suddenly there's that need to get back up those gears it's It's not as easy to go back up the gears and and we found that today, but as you say, that's been a problem a lot lately where we just kind of switch off and drop off and we can't afford to do that you know we're we're we've, there's tired legs out there there's there's players who maybe aren't at the height of their powers anymore you know we we need to give it our all for the ninety minutes if if we want to be able to defend and you know it's it's hard to decide what needs to happen there i think certainly it needs to be worked on over the summer obviously this this new system you know if this is what we're going to stick with hopefully with the the pre you know we, we know we're getting the, the pre-season camp in europe hopefully that's where we can nail it down and and players are able to adapt to it properly now because obviously switching system in the middle of the system or sorry, in the middle of the season rather, isn't ideal. And some might say, why didn't we try and do this over the World Cup when we had like a mini preseason to work on it somewhat? I know some players weren't there, but we, we could have certainly made a start. Um, but that's obviously part of it. And, and part of it is players, you know, personnel. You know, as I, I touched on there, if we're going to, Stick with this. Robertson isn't a, a left centre back, and you know if we're going to be playing this system, we need someone maybe in that left side that that is suited to mm. that role. And similarly, I think the right side of midfield has been a problem. Um Henderson doesn't have it, the engine to, to to do much of anything there, and Harvey Elliott obviously struggles with the defensive side of things. And I think we saw that. You know, he he was mm. he's not to blame, but he he was certainly notable in in Spurs kind of breaking us through us so easily time and time again down that side. So um I think it's it's a mix of things. It's it's training and it's it's personnel and, and it needs to be worked on over the summer and in, in both aspects.
2: That's a really, really fair assessment. And you know what? It's it's really interesting that you mentioned that about Robertson because I've got a tweet here from Andy Wales at on the Andy Armchair and he and he said the one thing that worked to me when when we were three one up and Spurs had just, um, a, a couple of chances. The new shape requires Robertson to become the third centre back. Yet there he was in a centre forward position and Spurs, Spurs launched a counter attack. That kind of tactical naivety cannot happen. And again, um, it kind of, um, reiterates what you said that, you know, he, we need an established, um, left sided centre back or he needs to wake up to the fact that he needs to be a bit more tight, a bit more solid in, in a defensive aspect and also players adjusting and learning. And I guess with this new setup and formation, um, Kate, like the things that you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast as well, you kind of allow it and you afford it because it is a new system. So therefore it requires, you know, there will be some mistakes. They are learning it. As for before, I think I used to get more frustrated because we were playing the same system, but we were making the same errors. As for now, you can afford it a little bit more because, you're trying to like you said Klopp is trying to get the best out with players trying to figure out what to do for next season where he needs to strengthen where he doesn't I'm not saying oh it was totally cool and calm because there's no way on earth Spurs score three goals like it shouldn't have happened given how we started but you can understand it to some degree I want to get your thoughts What what do we do to stop this naivety
4: I think it's a big question obviously uh Lord,
2: this a is, it, from- is Arinda, it would not be <laughs> <Arinda>. yeah,
4: Exactly. <laughs> um, I think I think my take on this is when when you have a team of players and the entire team seems like they can't apply themselves on the football field, as in they all look like they're not trying hard enough, they all look like they just don't have the drive. Mm-hmm. That is not a players issue. That is a systems issue. That it, there's, it, it doesn't happen like that at elite level where all the players are just deciding our oh, stuff this way. You know, if it, it's not. It's not. The, the, the issues come in the system where your key players are not being engaged with that system. And early in the season, it was certainly Salah was just never getting the ball. He was far too wide. Trent wasn't in a place that could really affect things because of, again, I think we've highlighted the midfield issues on the show lots and lots and lots of time. But... Klopp has tinkered and tinkered and tinkered, and he's initially tinkered with the 4 3 3 setup and the midfield setup, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think he's played with a 4 4 2 even um, early in the season, and now we've got this thing that kind of works. And what I think it works well at is it allows us to get on the front foot, it allows us to get the ball moving quickly, it allows us to do transitions really well, uh, I should say, offensive transitions really well. And it gets salah on the ball, and it gets Trent much more involved than he was. What it can't do is yeah. defend well yeah. I it feel
2: places, yep.
4: now the thing is with this particular system, if you can't defend well, that puts a huge emphasis on being able to control the ball and if you don't have the midfield to do that you're you're always going to be in this kind of position where it's it's either you're you're kind of constantly putting the pressure on the opposition or you're a little bit vulnerable uh, against any side and we saw in the second half uh, especially in the kind of the 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 first uh, you know 15 20 minutes of the second half Hoyberg was absolutely running the show uh, you know and and anytime an opposition has decent midfield we tend to lose out a little bit on that because we cannot control um we cannot control the ball and we cannot control opposition movements that is not to take away from what you guys have said. We were 3-0 up and I, I just feel that there's no kind of you know, to just take your foot off to that extent, especially when Spurs are giving you so many warning signs. I don't know how many times Sun hit the post today, but that was crazy. Okay. Um and and to have so many warning signs and you know nobody's changing. Um nobody's changing what they're doing, the tempo is not uh, is not changing, there's there's nobody coming back and doing it, there's no subs. From from club uh, either in that particular period, and I think you just invite the pressure. You just invite it, invite it, invite it. And we saw today the the roles that our fullbacks played meant that, or I should say, traditional fullbacks in Robertson and and Trent left. You know, it it left so much to be desired in terms of the space behind, and Spurs exploited those spaces continuously. We also had a bit of a change where. We were playing Salah quite centrally, not centrally, but uh, not in the middle, but a little more centrally than what is used, kind of in that half space. And then after the three goals, we told him to more go wide and occupy that space and try and pull the five-man defense apart. And I think from that point, we kind of lost the overloads in the middle, and that let, got us to lose a little bit of attacking momentum. But I mean, to to sorry, I'm going on a bit. But essentially, my feeling on this is, uh, and you can call me out on it like I don't mind debating it, but... My feeling is that we don't solve issues like this until we have a midfield where we know this is what the midfield does and you know these are its key advantages and play to those advantages. Because playing without a midfield is always going to leave you without control.
2: I don't think that's a bad or a controversial answer or response at all. So it's really interesting to see what Jürgen Klopp does in in. In the summer, and I think you, you mentioned as well, Kay, that he alluded to the fact that you know, um, there's going to be a bit of a rebuild and there needs to be a big rebuild. Um, you know, here's to a new team. Um, I don't know if Harinder's still joining us. I'd like to know if he's got a, a response to what you guys have said there.
0: I have. So Kay's nailed it. Yeah, there's a systemic issue in respect to how we play and what we do. The problem with that, though, Kay, is is that sometimes there are some things that are glaringly fucking obvious to do. Perisic, yeah. you watch Perisic. Yeah. Every time the ball went out to Mo Salah, what did Perisic do? Always well, one footstep, two step in front of him. Always needed to either head the ball or or take a touch to somebody else, just put another, get another player in front of him. So you need someone who's faster from either the midfield or on that side to be able to attack Perisic, make him shit his load, take the second ball, carry on do what you can the problem though is obviously as you mentioned system right people don't have the speed they don't have the legs i wouldn't say they don't have the mindset anymore because this is a team that did have the mindset and could play really quick aggressive football in eighteen, nineteen, and also in 1920 so i think it's still in their dna but i just don't think they really got the materials anymore for that so it'd be really interesting as to how they rebuild and what they can rebuild with
2: Yeah, thank you, Harinda. Um, really, really appreciate that. Really, really good question as well. And uh, safe travels back and no more killing pigeons, please. We don't approve of that. And I know you don't <laughs> as well.
0: I, I, I don't like killing anything. I
2: know That's you good. don't. I know you don't. I know. I know exactly what a gentle soul you are. So um, for safe journey and I, to you. For,
0: for, for Richardson and Harry Kane, I'll make an exception.
2: Yeah, go over and then reverse a couple of times, eh? Um, no, <laughs>
0: Yeah. have a good evening and up to Reds.
2: Yep, absolutely right. Arinda, thank you so much. Right, I'm going to come to Carl now. Carl, let's talk about this. So, Liverpool, um, you know, we, we know Spurs are awful. We know they're in an absolute calamitous state um, on and off the pitch with everything that's going on with them. And, you know... Um, Three minutes it took Liverpool to break the deadlock. I mean, great stuff. Uh, Curtis Jones getting a goal as well. Um, uh, You know, a scouser assist as well for Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think Liverpool really really were on the front foot. And it was really nice to see Curtis Jones get a goal as well. Because the more I'm seeing him, the more like I'm able to watch and analyse him. And things that I like about his game. Like, I think his hold-up play is good. I can see why Jurgen Klopp is playing him, him more, given given the you know the situation that we're in right now. But it was nice to see him get a goal.
3: Yeah, I mean. He's certainly one of the players that's benefited most from this new system, um, alongside Trent, of course, Mm -hmm. um, who obviously was uh, the the supporting act and the goal. Um, I mean, I think the problem for Jones in in the past has often been a a lack of of a defined role or sometimes the wrong role, i.e. when Klopp was trying to turn him into genie light and that just wasn't working at all. Um, But now it seems like he's... He has a defined role, one that suits him, and, and he's relishing in it. You know, I I didn't think he had the best of games against Nunham Forest, but that, that's fine. Everyone can have a, an off day. But for the most part, since he's came back into the team in this system, he, he's been one of our best players, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. And, yeah. you know, I have to hold my hands up. And uh, only a few weeks ago, I was talking about loaning him out or selling him yeah. off if the offer yeah. is right. And, but now we have to seriously consider him as one of our options for next year Now, that's not to say that i go ahead and get carried away and say oh well look now we don't need to start sign a, a starting midfielder for the left side of course we still need to do to do so and if if jones is good enough he'll he'll still get in the team ahead of that player and that that's the, the mindset you need to have and um, you, you need fierce competition which is what we seriously <laughs> lack in 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 the midfield at the moment um but he, he's he been really good lately he's worked so hard it wasn't just his his goal today and um, although i was delighted to see him get that as that's something obviously he did in the past with score goals and you know we hadn't seen one in a while but it, it was just his his work rate right? i mean it, you yeah. know one point robertson gave the ball away and and now robertson managed to get back and, and nick it out but jones kind of you know got back and got around and and allowed Robertson to do so and then he kind of seemed to have a word with Robertson and you know I, I think that's maybe what we've lacked at times lately when things have gone wrong you know someone to, to call people and and make them accountable for mistakes and it's great to see a particularly a local lad doing that so you know I, I've been really impressed with, with Jones and you know I'm hoping he can just stay fit and, and continue this run in the side because uh, as I said I think it'd be a serious option for for that midfield next season if he can maintain this form
1: and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
2: Absolutely. I was really impressed with his shielding of the ball as well. I remember there was an instance in the first half, Kay. I mean, we'll, I'll ask you about him, him scoring and your thoughts on him in general. But, you know, um, there was a few players surrounding him, Spurs players, and he shielded the ball really well. Got it, uh, you know, got it to, um, uh, one of his teammates. I can't think which one it was, but I, I'm seeing more of him and I like what I see. I'm very, really, really interested to see though. I mean, obviously, if you look at the games that he's played, And where he's kind of established, I think his first stellar game was, I think it was against Leeds United, where, you know, he started to really show his promise and, of course, relegation, you know, threatened team. And then he didn't have the best of games against Nottingham Forest, that's fair, whatever. Had a really good game against West Ham. We won that one. And of course, I thought I had a good game today. So I'm really, really interested to see the trajectory of this player. And also the fact that Jürgen I'd say this is like the first big team where Jürgen Klopp has uh, played him in. And he's, you know, he's come up, he's come up good. And of course, he played in the Arsenal game as well. So it's nice that Jürgen Klopp is actually using him for big games.
4: Yeah, it is. And, and it's super nice that he's, you know, he's getting a run. Uh, mm-hmm. Any player will, you know, they just need a run in the team. And us as fans, it, I know we make a lot of snap decisions based on a player doing 20 minutes here and seven minutes there. And and then, you know, it becomes easy for us to say, oh, I, I don't see much in this player. And um, it, it's it's nice that he gets that. It's nice that he has a defined role. As Carl was saying, I, I, that's the most important thing for me is, is if you give, you know, you, you have to assess what a player can do and then put them in the team to give him the best chance of success. Yeah. And we, do as
2: well, you know, isn't it? we didn't even know what he was about, and that's scary. Yeah,
4: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, his, his hold up ability on the ball is actually like, it's, it's really good to see. You know, is, you're, yeah. you're thinking, oh, you're obviously going to lose it in that position. And and he doesn't. And I think it's a really good trait for him. I think one of the criticisms I do still have of Jones is that his his sort of uh, tactical understanding of the system is 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 still not really there, and that results in him holding onto the ball a little bit too long, not really knowing where to pass it, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe his awareness is not kind of where you expect that you know where you want uh, a kind of elite footballer to be. But if you don't have that then what you want the player to be able to do is to not lose the ball in that situation. <laughs> you know, that's the next most important thing. So I, I think all we can do, like Carla's saying, I think I, I would, he's just, to me, he strikes me as somebody who has the skill set that's quite varied. And and we haven't been able to nail down his position and say, look, you just do this. And, and it's, it's worked to his detriment a little bit. I really hope that they sort that out. He gets a, a, a properly defined role, and uh, you know, once once Jurgen Klopp decides what he wants to do, hopefully, he gets a good preseason and uh, and 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 stays with us and shows us what he can do moving forward because he can do a lot of stuff and his evolution is tantalizing, if I can put it that way.
2: I like it. I like it. Okay, I'm going to stick with you because I'm a. You know, it, it started off really, really positive for the Reds, and all the goals came within like the first 15 minutes. So, I'm going to give you the honor of talking to me, um, talking to us, should I say, about the second goal and seeing Lewis Diaz get that goal. And uh, you know what we, and you know, uh, Cody Gakpo as well. I mean, I know he didn't score today, but what an absolutely sensational guy! He's impressed me so much and. He actually did so much hard work for that for that Lewis Diaz goal, but what a, what a lovely finish like.
4: Oh, it was so good. It was such a good finish. Sorry, oh I mean when I
2: said what a lovely finish, I tilted. Oh. I don't know why, because it just requires it.
4: <laughs> I mean the work on that right hand side was mm-hmm. ridiculous from Liverpool. Yeah. I think it was I was Cody Trent and Elliot. Yeah. And you know, you get Elliot in those forward positions. And he can do that. He can just help you stitch the play together and work around plays. He can see the lines and stuff like that. But you've got Cody working ridiculously hard, you know, and Cody is great in that he knows he doesn't always have to be the guy at the end of the cross. He's, he's, he can also give it to somebody. And so he doesn't mind going wide. He doesn't mind coming deeper. He does that. It's, it's a bad clearance and, um, uh, that 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 comes out of and at that stage Spurs just look so shit they look so rattled so yeah. out the game they look absolutely mediocre and uh, what a ball from Trent that the weight on that ball was ridiculous because yep. as as it sets up I'm going like oh that's out and it just holds up Cody gets there pulls it back and then I mean Diaz that the goal is behind him yeah he's that's not a simple tap in that's not a tap in he has to Guide that with pace onto the goal through the keeper, and you. I mean, I think everybody saw that live. You know, just how how you know what he does with his body, what he does with his foot. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's so good to have Luis Diaz back. Oh my lord, we missed him crazily during that time. But what what a stunning goal! And this little patch that that. Wow, I think we scored three goals in eight minutes or something like that. Yeah, that reminded me that that whole surge just reminded me of when you know Jurgen's Reds were in their pump and like scoring past Arsenal for fun, you know, in like twenty minutes with four up and stuff like that. It just reminded me of when we just used to blitz teams away uh, in the Premier. It, it was such a nice little nostalgic prance, um, and and this was the height of it. I mean, that goal. I know Liverpool haven't been really great this season but some of the goals we scored have been absolutely top-draw and this this one was certainly amongst them.
2: It was absolutely wonderful and Carl I'm going to come to you I mean just speak to me about the front three because I felt like we were creating so there was so much movement so much pace so much understanding amongst the front three and you know and I think Kay's right certainly it seemed like a lot of the, the chances were coming on the right-hand side but your thoughts on the goal and just the front three.
3: Yeah I mean I- I alluded to it when we were talking about the lineups that that a lot of people suggested. What was lacking here was some natural width on on the left, and I, I think we certainly saw signs of of what that can can bring in in the the rapid start that we made to the match. Um, um you know, every game, you know, with particularly with looking at Gakpo, like he, he seems to be settling more and more into the team, and I, I know there's you know, stats maybe that aren't quite in his favour as yet, you know, in in terms of the the amount of passes he's making when compared to to Bobby Firmino, for example. But there's certainly signs that he's starting to work that understanding with Salah and, and you know, even with Diaz now, who he's had very little time with. And, I mean, someone someone used to always say to me that, you know, Class recognizes class, and I, I think that you know the teammates are recognizing that in Gakpo, and he's recognizing them in them, and, and that's mm. how they're being able to, to work such a an understanding so early on, and you know. But what really impresses me with him is early on, maybe when it wasn't going so well for him, you know, he he never dropped the head. He's he's, he's been working so hard, and he's always he's always on it. You know what I mean? He he always wants to. to to work hard for the team and, and do what needs to be done. And, and it's, it's, it's paying dividends now. And, you know, he, he he runs in and, and gets a ball that, that, you know, if it had gone over the byline you would have said fair enough but he, he managed to get his foot on mm-hmm. it and, and pull it back to Diaz and of course we we know Diaz like he'd 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 fling himself in front of a tank to score a goal you yeah, know he like would. He, the body shapes he manages to to throw and and it's just it, it's so great to have him back um I mean and it, we're spoiled for choice at the at the moment I mean obviously Jada comes on and we'll, we'll come on to that and and you know, has has the, the, the biggest say in the game and it's just, and, and Nunes again, I know maybe it's been a while, a couple of games he hasn't scored, it, you know, but I think it'll come for him as well and I think he, he's a very dangerous player so it's just, it's just great to have these options. It's very different to the, you know, previous Cops years where it was like Manet Mane, Bobby, Salah, you know, they were the three, they were the dangerous three. And then beyond them, you know, the the players were just filling in holes. But it's great now to have five choices that, you know, maybe aren't quite, uh, for now, uh, at that level. But that we have different options. We can keep teams guessing. We have good, great options from the bench. It's it's, it's a great position to be in. And hopefully we can get in a similar position as far as our defence and midfield are concerned.
2: Absolutely. Uh, that's one thing I'm not really worried about. The attack is stacked. And, you know, like you just both said there, you know, even when it was the Firmino, Salah, Amani era, you know, I don't think the bench was overly like great in terms of attackers, you know, like Origi, as much as I love him, but you know, it was what it was, you know, you know, he'd give you moments and he's a, he's an icon, but you know, you have two genuine like, clinical, clinical players that can come off the bench and you're not one bit concerned or worried about a drop-off in quality or how you play, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm going to stick with you, Carl, because, you know, I thought Spurs' defence were having an absolutely torrid time. I felt like they were really penned back. I felt like we were applying so much pressure and we were doing so much. And, you know, Cordy Gakpo wins a, a penalty. And, you know, you expect better from, you know, a player like Romero, you know, to go in like that on Cordy Gakpo straight. Same penalty, no question about it. You know, it doesn't even touch the ball. And um, Mosala, I think people were quite nervous, but it's great to see him. Uh, you know, th- th- three times a the charm, they say. You know, he's missed two, and this one, no doubts.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's, it's it's good from, from Gakpo. Um, I mean, obviously, Romero should yeah. never be diving in there, but nonetheless, no. Gakpo wins the, the foul. It was
2: really been panicky by them, wasn't it? They were panicking.
3: Yeah, I mean they were at sixes and sevens. That that, yeah. that uh, the back five. Um, R- Romero obviously is, is a big talent. It's similar, I talked about Kanate earlier. You know, it, you forget how young they are sometimes, and and therefore they're they're still learning the game. There's still going to be mistakes in there, and I think that's that's what we're seeing with Romero as well. But I I think it's it's doubly so for him because the the team around him is just completely crumbling, and he's being expected to be that stalwart. And you know he, he's not Virgil van like you know he's not a a 31 year old like he, he hasn't been in the game that long it's very difficult for him, it's a lot of pressure on him and I don't think he's dealing quite that well, but I'm sure after a good preseason under a new Spurs manager, he'll, he'll come good again. I mean, I think uh, Gary Neville said that uh, he thinks the season needs to end for Romero and Deere because they're a lot better than, than what they're showing lately. I, I'm not sure I agree for Deere, you know, I, I think he's showing what he is, Um, I, I don't rate him personally, but I think certainly yeah. for Romero that is the case, he, he needs to get in, get under a new manager, get a preseason, season just belt and put. The season behind him, but it, it you know it's it's reckless. He, he lunges in and obviously he fouls Gakpo and then Mo steps up and I have to say I I've never been confident in Mo taking penalties. I know he scores a lot of them, but it just his I think it's, it's his technique. You know it's it's not like a a Dirk Hoyt or a James Milner where they just they just look like they're gonna bury it every time, and oftentimes even when. Salah scores the keeper seems to get close to it and obviously he'd missed a couple lately and you know uh, i think with even the last one against Arsenal, a lot of people are giving out saying they, they felt fabinho should have taken it um but it's just good that Mo's able to finally put that behind him he, he puts it into the roof of the net and it's a well taken penalty and and hopefully now next time we get one although we don't get many as we've learned this season uh he'll be able to bury that one as well Absolutely,
2: yeah, it's good to see him score. And um, Kay, I'll come to you on the Reds making it three and Mosala, you know, finally silencing the likes of Martin Tyler and Gary Neville on Sky Sports because that's where we had to watch the game.
5: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye
4: i tell you what. I, I, had, I had Jim Beglin on, and I really, a few a few years ago, I really enjoyed Jim Beglin's commentary. I don't know what has happened to him, but he hates Mo Salah, and his, his commentary has turned a tiny little bit sour when it comes to Liverpool in general. I, I think to sound more unbiased or something like that, but nothing compares to Tyler's commentary. I, I've been getting snippets of it since, and it's just the man is soulless. Uh, he's right. he's got lots of he's got lots of money on whoever to beat Liverpool every single game. I I I won't hear anything else. But the funniest thing about the pen Nins, is after just before just before the penalty, my dad phones and he's going like, "What is going on? This is crazy! It's mad. oh, it's amazing. We haven't seen this in such a long time." And we're talking, and um, and then we realize, because I'm on the stream and he's watching it uh, through satellite service, I'm a couple minutes uh, behind him. Mm. and th- So then he, he goes, oh, okay, I'm not going to say anything. And then I say, oh, it looks like we got a penalty. And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, we've got a penalty. And, uh, oh, it, lo- it looks like Mo might take it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And as I'm talking to him about some stuff, about how terrible spurs are looking, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, he goes, whoa. And I'm like, what? He goes, no, no, nothing. I, I thought I saw something. And then I watched the penalty and I watched what Mo does. And, you know, I won't lie. When I watched it, I went, whoa. <laughs> it's like, you can't say I'm not my dad's son. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But I think it was a result of just all the tension from uh, from what has come before. Uh, Mo had a particular way of taking pens. He didn't do that last couple of pens. And um, I think he just needed something like that to, to, to re Send to him in terms in, in terms of all those things. Liverpool have been scoring a lot of set play goals this season, and uh, and who knows, we might be able to get a couple more pens like like Carl said. And it's good that he's back on that scoring form.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think somebody tried to sabotage us, but we're fine. Somebody's stream went live. Did anyone else see that on their Discord?
4: Yeah, I saw I saw a snippet of it, and then it disappeared. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you Throw us off Throw us off our game But we're still here So Matthias here Has wrote a message He goes Please read this message On the pod I'm going to Try not swearing um, You could fill in the gaps um, F you tyranny You little sack of Cat poop And F you And your pathetic Chicken dance um, uh, Ricky lad um, uh, So uh, Richie lad um, Richarlison So yeah. I think that's how people are feeling. So, you know what? I think a lot of people have a lot of anger towards the referee, um, a I, I, don't, I don't think he's a very good referee. I think he's awful. I thought he had a really poor game again. Okay. What did you make of him? I felt like, you know, that ankle cruncher by, was it skip on, um, on, on Diaz should have been a lot more. You know, I just felt like he was awful. I, you know, the fact that he, he penalized Mosala for something that he shouldn't have penalized him for on mm-hmm. Davis. It was embarrassing. It was really, really bad.
4: And it would have actually been worse if his assistant uh, ref wasn't on the ball as well, because there was another, there was a couple of pretty obvious fouls on Mo that he didn't call and the assistant yeah. called, you know, and yeah. that kind of thing. I, I just, it's so embarrassing at this point. And you just, you wonder. Um, and and the thing is, we've been talking about referees for more than one season. now. I, f- I feel it's been, you know, it's been like the last three, four years. And the, the, the conversation always rages between incompetence and corruption. And the thing is, you know, the team that seems to suffer the least amount and benefit the most from all these things is Man City, and I, I don't know how that has panned out. And the thing is, we're still arguing about whether it could be incompetence because these, these, uh, Matthias Anderson was also on, um, on Twitter, kind of uh, alluding to the fact that Tiani just seems to want to be in the spotlight all the time, and mm. that's what guides his refereeing decisions. I thought he was utterly awful. And this is what I mean about Jim Beglin is when, when that challenge went in on, on Jota and, you know, the the whole studs are like on his ankle over his, over his shin and and that kind of thing. He goes, Oh, that can happen sometimes in football. No, that does not happen sometimes in football. Sometimes you might tread on somebody's toes because of, of, of things that are happening very fast. I've never seen somebody. Put their whole ass studs on somebody because that just happens sometimes. Mm. That doesn't even happen in our fiver sides, like, and, and Sunday league. Honestly, that is not where, and we're talking about elite players. You cannot tell me that as a referee, you do not know the level required from players to be in control of the ball or be in control of their bodies. It, it was, I mean, it was, there, there are few decisions like that. And I don't think all of them went our, went, um, Spurs' way. I think there were a couple of decisions where Spurs fans will will look at you and say, like, that was that was very obvious. And I think, honestly, his guiding light is basically to just always be the guy that we're talking about afterwards. And the way the 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 PG Mall has this like little old boys club protection gang going, mm-hmm. it, you're never gonna get a proper response from them. You're never gonna get a proper standard of refereeing. And every season, we don't talk about it, but every season referees are deciding very important um league positions on the table and they are doing it every season and, and it's just it just doesn't get talked about enough as a controlling factor in this league.
2: Absolutely, he was absolutely dreadful. But Carl, I was quite even though he was bad, I was quite impressed that he actually gave us a penalty. I mean it was a blatant penalty, let's be honest, and the fact that he did send off Jota as well for the high boot on, on skip, you know but as a whole he was utterly dreadful.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, I go back to saying in the run up to this game that, you know, I don't like playing Spurs, and there's a, a few reasons for that. I think Harry Kane's record against us is yes. one, and uh, a couple of just particularly standout results against Spurs been, uh, I think, the Matup and Love and shit show, um, and then also the 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 draw that ultimately cost us the league last season.
2: Michael Oliver thing as well, right? Remember, I didn't see it, and it, you know, like remember when it before VAR came in and it finished two all.
4: Was that the one where the ref was just like, "I'm just going to give it"?
2: Yes,
3: I and did see
2: yeah. Yes, you know, like but, so we're kind of traumatized by referee I and mean, referees anyway.
3: But but that's exactly that's my third reasoning is because. Decisions just seem to go against us when we when we play Spurs. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. It's it's just coincidental. It's because the referees are shit. But while Kay was speaking there, just a light bulb went off in my head when he was talking about Tierney, and I googled the two two draw back in December 2021 in which Robertson was sent off. And Harry Kane somehow miraculous him. He must have bor- yeah. borrowed a bloody uh, invisibility cloak off Harry Potter. It was that fucking bad a challenge and he got away with it. And who was the referee in that match? But Paul bloody Tierney. I mean, that... That says it all. I mean, he's just an Madness. absolute joke of a referee. I mean, th- there's bad ref. Most of the referees in this league are terrible. I mean, when you w- watch European football, I haven't got to watch as much as, it, as I'd like this season. But you see the referees and they're just a complete class above what's in this league. But Paul Tierney is the worst of them all. Like he, he's, just, he's just ridiculous. I don't think he has any kind of vendetta against Liverpool or anything like that. I just think he's a god-awful referee
2: makes me kind of miss the likes of John Moss. Not nah, just kidding. Just kidding. Not really. Not at all. I mean, it, the refereeing situation was so bad that Jurgen Klopp actually celebrated for the fourth official and pulled his hamstring. So that tells you everything you need to know about what he felt about the officiating in this game. So, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that and those celebrations um, later on in the pod. But guys, um, Carl, I'll stick with you because for 40 minutes we were cruising. I completely forgot the likes of Kuliszewski, Son were playing, they just didn't have any foot of the game. I felt like, you know, Fabinho was doing such a, you know, a good job for most part of the games in terms of shielding that defence. Everything looked like it was working. We were making the most. They were sat back, they were pinned back, and every time they had the ball, we were pressing them, we were doing it really intelligently. Our game management and our game control was absolutely spot on. And then something flipped. And, of course, that's the concentration thing that Harinda was talking about. And before Harry Kane scores, we do have, you know, they do shoot a warning sign. Virgil van Dyke clears it from the line. Wake up, Reds, wake up, Reds. And then, of course, Harry Kane scores. I mean, and for me, that's where I think the things changed in the game. And, um, you know, um, and then I felt like that's where we probably started seeing the maybe the errors in the midfield and maybe the big spaces where, you know, um, Spurs started exploiting.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a case of switching off. Um, Son has that chance. And, and I think we're... Now, I, I think ultimately it may well have been chalked off had he scored, because I, I believe there was a handball in the run-up, but nonetheless, you know, you, you have to, to play the whistle on these things. And lucky Van Dijk gets the block. And I, I think, you know, he, he's fortunate in a way that Son seems... I know he scored a goal later in the game, but he seems to have lost his killer edge somewhat. It, it's yeah. not been his best season. He's lost a yard or maybe even a yard and a half a pace. And he's also lost that 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 killer instinct in front of goal. Um, so I, I think we're fortunate in that way that it wasn't the old son we were facing. But Van Dijk gets the block in and you think maybe that would wake us up, but but it doesn't because near seconds later, it feels like Perisic is in acres of space down our right side and Van Dijk has to go across to, to try and close him down. But unfortunately he slips. And Paris is able to get the ball in and, and find Kane who, who finishes on the folly. And we know this system, you run that risk, uh, down that, that right side whereby, you know, when Trent is out of position and when he's gone into midfield. I don't know, out of position is force of habit. It's, he's not out of position. That's the idea is that he's going into midfield. But when he happens to be central and there is that gap there, you know, it's a right sided midfielder that, that should be tracking back. And I think that's where maybe, you know, we saw the deficiencies in Harvey Elliott's game, yes. he doesn't quite understand the defensive side of things yet. It, it says a lot that while Liverpool were flowing, he was well involved, you know, he was looking tidy on the ball. But as soon as we drop off and, and we need to defend in the game, you know, he, he just didn't quite know what to do. And, and I'm hopeful still that'll come in time. You know, he's still young. You know, he, he wasn't traditionally a, a midfielder to begin with. He was a, a winger, you know, so I'm sure... That will come in time and, and maybe the, the preseason will be key for players like Harvey Elliott and, and getting better at those kind of things, but it, it is a key thing where that he lacks and I think even if Henderson had been there instead probably he wouldn't have the legs to get back so we do it's a key example I think maybe when Klopp is trying to pitch to, to um, John Henry and, and Mike Gordon on, on why he needs new midfielders this summer I mean maybe that that goal is one example that he should use because it was, if we'd had you know let's say we'd had I don't want to bring him up because I don't think we're going to sign him at this point but let's say we'd had Jude Bellingham here and I'm not right side I have a feeling he would have kind of raced back and, and got in on Edge and nicked the ball you know because he has the legs you know and, and that's what we're lacking there at the moment
2: yeah the legs and, and the defensive nouns as well and you know again I think that's a fair comment isn't it K because I think even in the old system I think Elliot used to struggle with his defensive work and that's because of the natural position that he used to play or did play he's an attacker
4: yeah. I mean, I remember back when the triple sub was going, we were looking at development of players and mm. really you have to, you know, the, the, the kind of sports science is sort of alluding to the fact that you kind of need to bed in somebody's role by the time they're like 16. You know, you, you can't get a 20 year old or an 18 year old really involved in, in the, in the team and then go, well, you're an attacking midfield, I'm going to make you a defensive midfielder, a la Lucas Lieva, you know, kind of thing. It It becomes very difficult to get somebody because your whole framework of reference and mm. what you're looking for, how you know how to pass, and et cetera, et cetera, is, is totally kind of lost. And, and that, that's, one, you know, it's, it's numerous issues that we have. I mean, one of them is that Harvey Elliott in the defensive transition. Another one is Trent playing as the six. When, when, we, when the ball is turned over and we have to defend, it becomes difficult for Trent to mm. know exactly what he should do you know and he ends up running towards the right back position to kind of help help out there but now the you know now we uh, adjust to a full man defense kind of on the fly etc cetera, etc cetera. and then robo on the other side who had difficulty this entire game i don't know like for me i don't know what you guys felt for me it just felt like robo didn't settle for the entire game i mean the the you know it's his kind of bad touch that that sets things off in in motion for for us, uh, he has. I think between him and Ali, they got away with one, and then he has a bad touch, and that's led to the clearance off of line by Virgil, and then kind of Spurs come alive, and you, you know, and all these things together, understanding they can get behind our fullbacks, understanding that there's a problem in the defensive phase of our play, it just leaves us all open. So it's, it's. I, I get what people are going at with Harvey, and I totally agree with that. Um, it's just it's it's difficult to know how to handle that situation because otherwise you're you're having Harvey and Mo kind of competing for the same position. I don't know if that's the correct way to do it or to retrain Harvey as a more central it it just it's very difficult to know how to approach all these things. Um so it'll be interesting to see what Klopp does. I'm glad it's not my job.
2: Yeah, I think um he'll definitely speak to um, you know, his own and saying a right sided midfield is an absolute must because I believe John W. Henry was at the West Ham game and uh, Jordan Henderson did not have the best of showing. So it may be good for our owner to see it with his own eyes live in the flesh to kind of see that, hang on a minute, there's a niggling problem here. Okay, we're going to move on to the second half. So, of course, you know Jurgen Klopp here makes his sub round about sixty-four minutes, which is normally roughly when he does it. It's still three-one at this moment. He brings on um, uh, Diogo Jota for um, uh, Luis Diaz. Um, it makes sense given the fact that he's got manages minutes. I thought was absolutely sensational. By the way, um, I thought he had a very, really, very really good game, Luis Diaz. Um, I thought he impressed throughout. He's a little street fighter. He just wants to take on players. I think he was. His aggression and his willingness is, and his hunger and his desire was certainly missing whilst he was out injured. So it's great to have him back. Jota comes on. And of course, um, Elliot does come off at this moment and Jordan Henderson comes on. And I think Jurgen Klopp's thinking at this moment is Jordan Henderson kind of tightens things up. I mean, what did you agree with the substitutions or what did you make of them? To me, I kind of expected them. I can't lie. Given the fact there was no Thiago. Probably sorry, not- is this mine, Nint? Yep, that's UK.
4: Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Please edit this part out.
2: No, no, it's fine, It's
4: fine. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I think I think substitutions were definitely were definitely forthcoming. Uh, I, I, we all know that Luis Diaz is is not there to. I mean, he, he wouldn't have been able to really have the stamina to finish. Uh, the game, you know, based on what I thought, you know, it wasn't full Luis Diaz. I just thought it was sparkling for the fact that where he is in his recovery, and uh, you know, it was yeah. it was great, and and it, it will get better because, like you say, he is just a, just a, an absolute hustler on the ball. He just wants to fight for everything. Um, and then my whole timeline on Twitter <laughs> was from about ten minutes before the substitution was absolutely screaming for Harvey to be taken off because of what was happening. Uh, mm-hmm. By you know, I think by that time Spurs had hit the post a couple of times, and yes,
3: and, they
5: had, you yeah.
4: know, that kind of stuff. So I, I think people w- were looking for that response. I, I, you know, I understand where that thinking comes from to an extent. Of you have Jordan Henderson and uh, and or Milner, and you know, you you put them on and you tighten things up, and it kind of it doesn't work out like that because. I, I think with James Milner, there is um, there, there is still some evidence to say that when he comes on, things do get tighter. You know, he does break up the opposition play, and I know he doesn't always do it, you know, super well in terms of where he gives his free kicks to the free kicks away, but he does break up the opposition and. There's a little bit of something to his game in the disruption. He will in go the, through
2: a player. You know, he will go through a player. At least he's not things. falling
4: into players anymore. Yeah. You know, he used yeah. to do that, but he's not doing that anymore. Yeah. At least I I I feel he's he's gotten slightly better. But with 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 Henderson, I, I actually felt that it was it was almost like a like a it was almost like a like for like swap with Elliot in that you got a bunch of deficiencies along with what you get yeah. in terms of positives. So, you know, he was his lack of awareness and giving the ball away and stuff really didn't help us in in the cause. And so the issues just sort of continued.
2: But really did, they really did. And Carl, I wanna get your thoughts on this as well because um you know he brings on Henderson and he brings on the likes of Milner, which obviously McKay um, has alluded to then. Of course, you know, Gakpo comes off for Darwin Nunes and I think he's a little bit of a, you know, pocket rocket. But he brings on two players to kind of tighten up defensively and that's where we sort of concede the goals
3: like. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously Spurs, um, they, they'd ended the the first half strong with, Kalevsky hitting the post and they started the second half strong with both Son and surprisingly Romero hitting the, the woodwork. Um, And, yes. you know, it looked like we were hanging in there, but then we seemed to kind of get a foot on the ball. And not that we were doing anything particularly progressive, but you we were slowing it mm-hmm. down trying to take the sting out of it. So mm-hmm. I suggested on Discord at the time that I'd look to bring on Henderson and Mattup Obviously Mattup had a very good game in in the last time out. You know, you look to experience, maybe just settle things down. And you know, of course Diaz was looking tired as Kay alluded to, you know, you have to make that change. So I was expecting some changes there, but Jada um of course made sense for for Diaz. And then, of course, Henderson for Elliott, and they're the changes he makes. But then I think, unfortunately, Spurs then kick it up a gear again, and Henderson really struggled to, to adapt to the pace of the game. Then and it was passing him by, um, somewhat. Um, and he didn't quite have the desired effect. Um, as Kay suggested, he, he it really didn't make a difference on that side of the pitch, unfortunately. Um, so but the question is did we really have any other answer you know there's tiago's not on the bench and there's no yeah. one else there you know kate is still out Ox is the forgotten man. It's just yeah. a question of Milner or, or Henderson, you know, do you put on the old man or the even older man? It's it, it's difficult. And and as Kay said, Milner has a tendency to come on late on, break up, play a bit, and he, he did that, but you know, unfortunately it was a little too close to our goal for comfort, but we'll we'll come on <laughs> to that. Um I just don't think Klopp had the options in terms of midfield, which again is you know, that's another thing he should show John Henry and Mike Gordon when making his case for midfielders this summer. We we desperately need midfield options because at the moment it's patchwork. You know, Fabinho has been playing reasonably well lately, as we said. Jones has been resurgent, but what else do you have outside of that? Other than that, you're you're just you know picking what what's the the best of a bad bunch, really. You know.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the whole bad set thing, doesn't it? It was working. It was working. He looked pretty decent. And then he got injured and then it was back to square one again. And I think that's the biggest concern and the biggest fear. Um, midfield definitely, definitely needs a massive, massive overhaul and a rebuild. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, what did you make of, um, uh, Carl? I'll stick with you. I mean, son, I mean, again, like we, we tried to slow the game down. They had a few chances. They, they had a few and then they started waking up. And then this ball just cuts through us. I, I, I mean, I, I'm struggling to remember how this goal happened, but it felt like it just cut the entire our uh, midfield and Son runs onto it.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, Romero plays a nice ball lofted in over the top, which, which finds Son. But I, I think our, our line completely gets it wrong. I think t- two of them are far too deep. The other two are trying to play offside. It's clearly bad communication. Um, Robertson p- particularly slow to react, and you know, as I said, Son slowed down. He's not as, as as quite the the killer in front of goal as he once was. But give him enough chances, and he's going to bury one, and and that's certainly what he did. I mean, it was just it, it was disappointing again. It, it's it's just another switch off from Liverpool, and we're saying that too too often lately. I feel.
2: Yeah, um, it was absolutely disgusting. And uh, Kate, I mean, when it went to 3-2, I want to get your thoughts on Son's goal. Did you actually think that it would turn 3-3? And whilst you're here, you might as well speak about the the pigeon, the duck that scored and his whole goal celebration, his whole rubbing it in Liverpool's face, how we felt, how disgusted we were, the fact that he broke his Premier League duck as well at Anfield, the fact that he was silencing the crowd as well. You know, he really, really rattled um, the the, the Liverpool faithful um, supporters at Anfield. Um, uh, Your thoughts on both of the goals?
4: I thought after the second goal, uh, I thought, I, I didn't feel there was an inevitability to it. I, I'm. I wasn't like, you know fully kind of on board with this on the Spurs train. Going like, we're definitely gonna gonna go down to three-three. Uh, they they kind of had moments, and then it it just felt like luck wasn't on their side, if I can put it that way. More than any, more than like they, that, they weren't threatening or anything because they obviously threatened a lot. But yeah, Son Son can do that to you. He was making these runs. Uh, he was trying it, you know, all afternoon from from the first whistle and. I think he understood that our organization for the three-man defense wasn't what it should be, and uh, yeah, as as Carl was saying, that that comes full manifest when you're talking about offside organization. And yeah, after that, I'm just like, oh no! But it was a real kick in the gut. It was it was. You obviously get the host of people on Twitter as soon as Rishalson comes on, they're like, I guarantee you, he's going to. To, to To score you know even even Brent <laughs> was saying it, like I absolutely guarantee that happens, and so I was like, no way man this this boy he's like he he it things never go his way he's he's made the wrong decision, he's got this way it's never gonna happen for him to see that horrible, useless goal go in and bounce over our alley like that was mm-hmm. such a punch in the gut. I can't even explain to you how it felt like even though I was half expecting it and half not expect half expecting Spurs to score it just it still felt like oh my god how did we let him do that how did we let him out jump you know and and all our defenders are just all you know it it feels like it's a battle site where something exploded everybody's jumping in all different directions he's He's out jumped, I think, Virgil, you know, or, or, or I think, I think Virgil was on him, but like that's, it's so bad to see the position he gets in the stupid, stupid touch that he obviously wasn't intending. And then that thing drips in and you think, oh no, oh man, where have we, have we gone and spursed this up now oh, the ultimate irony. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh, it just, it was so deflating. And I was resisting every temptation to go back, you know, to go back to shit posting on Twitter because that's what I did before, (laughs) before our good run of form. I was, I was the toxicity on Twitter. It was me. (laughs) I was that guy. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. You know, it's fine. We're here. We we. There's not much to play for in the season anyway. I just wanted us to finish strong. But this is awful. Uh, chalk it up to all these to, 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 to this lack of personnel with the system and and we kind of just move on as long as we get away with the draw whatever man whatever i don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> that's why i was doing.
2: <laughs> you know what if you're speaking of toxic i was like i was so angry when he scored that goal i was like i'm gonna tweet something and i was like we did tweet when you were three 0 up so shut up that's just pure like you know negative energy and negative vibes so i i raise you back here Carl, I'm going to yeah. come to you. I mean, the third goal when that guy scores in injury time, and you're just sat there like, I can't believe this. Not again. I bet you were thinking, oh gosh, everything that I felt is coming true. <laughs> like, robbed again.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, just just before we come on to Richarlison, something Kay said triggered something in my mind. There, he was saying about how Son seemed to to feel that there was something in it for him all game against that that back three, and I did note at one point in the game, I think it was when Sar had come on for for Spurs, Son came over to him, was having a word with him, and was pointing at things, and it, I, I said don't uh, did i said this is embarrassing he's clearly like pointed out that okay this is where you can get them you know like it, it was that clear where we were weak to to the Spurs attack and and that's never a good sign um but i, I did fear the worst when milner gave away that free kick I, I just had a feeling something was coming i didn't quite know it was going to be Richarlison, but when he got when i saw him kind of drifting in i was like oh no and i just i just knew it was going to happen and you know it, it as Kay said, he didn't even quite mean the connection he gets on it and it goes over Allison, and he's given it all in this celebration and it, it's funny that this morning people were talking about our midfield options and Lubo was trying to, to champion Declan Rice and, and being an Irish man, of course, I'm completely opposed and I suggested that my most loaded players in world football are Declan Rice and Jack Grealish. But when I was typing response on Discord, I, I stopped for a second and I thought of Richarlison. I thought of Richarlison. I was like, maybe is he in there too? I, I don't know. Like, I I, I despise the guy. So for him to score, an absolute kicker. But, you know, I feel in the end it was worth it because to see him make that celebration and then moments later when we come on to what happens, to see his face completely priceless. Speak I feel like...
2: about it, speak about it, because the the quick response from the Reds was absolutely sensational. So, you know, you must have talked about Diogo Jota. The man was pretty much silent, in my opinion. When he came on, he didn't have much of an impact on the game. I think that he kind of struggled to kind of have a foothold of the game. That's one thing I love about Diogo Jota, but talk to me about the goal.
3: Yeah, I, I mean... Lucas Moura comes on and, you know, <laughs> there, there's a player who, you know, was a, probably one of the biggest names that, that Spurs have signed in, in recent years, but the signing hasn't really worked out. He's had a couple of good spells here or there, but for generally he's not been good. And he comes on as, as Spurs are throwing on five attackers to, to try and go and find uh, an equalizer. Uh, it was at the point he came, came on. Obviously they, they get that equalizer and then, you know, Allison lofts a ball in. We're just, you know, we we thought the game was over. And Mora, instead of just clearing it up the pitch, volleys the ball back towards his own goal. And you know, it it's just so spursy. I mean, I, I don't think he could get more spursy than in that moment. And obviously, Jota gets in. He doesn't, can't believe his luck. And you know, the the form he's in at the moment, he's he's definitely back to being the goal. And, you know, it's a a great little finish from from Jada. And I just feel he he missed a trick. and and, Because Jada's a very snide character. You know, he's one of those few snide players we have in our side. And I'm very surprised and somewhat disappointed that he didn't take off his shirt and run towards Richarlison. Because I I think that would have just been the, the cherry on top. But nonetheless, when the camera went to Richarlison's face, I mean... He just looked completely distraught. that. I, I think at the time he was probably saying to himself, "Maybe I shouldn't have done that." You know, it's was, it was, it was quite embarrassing now. And I, I think that's maybe a moment that that'll be made into a little video, and and Reds will be putting it up on social media for weeks to come. Now, you know, him his goal celebration followed by that that face moments later.
6: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> mag boxes and games consoles visit liberty shield.com today and use coupon code aivpn25 to get 25 percent off at checkout
2: did you enjoy the goal or did you enjoy jürgen klopp celebrations as well like if it, it had proper old school vibes other him absolutely losing his his composure on the sideline running to the fourth official and then pulling his hamstring as well i mean it had everything right carl
3: yeah, I mean it was just it was one of those moments. You would almost it, it it brought you back obviously we're not where we were but it brought you back to those moments yes. where we had those last minute winners from from Mane and and the like. Uh, you know it, it's just those elating moments and and unfortunately we you know we I, I suppose maybe if you know in 12 months time we're we're in the Europa League final we we might look back at that moment and say it was one of those moments after the fact cuz it it, it saws through to the to a top 6 finish but um for for now obviously didn't seem to have that big an impact but it definitely had that feeling and it's a good feeling because we haven't had it enough this season
2: yeah okay i'm going to come to you talk to me about diogo jota's goal talk to me about jürgen klopp talk to me about your feelings and the emotions and how you felt when that goal went in and you know he's talking about um richarlison's um expression there for me it kind of brings back the memories of them. Um, I think it was Pickford when he kept grabbing the ball and kept lying on the ball and wasting time and then we we scored the winner and then Alison did the exact same thing and the camera panned to um uh, Pickford and that was an iconic moment for me from last season I think this will go up there with that but talk to me about that goal and just how much you lost your composure because I think everyone did at that point
4: I was. It was just. It was. It was stunning. It took for like a minute for me to register what was going on. I won't lie. I, I thought it was like three three. I accepted it. I was like, it was, you know, garbage. <laughs> I was reading Twitter and uh, and and wallowing in it, and then and then that happened. And I mean, just. I don't understand how these players have the temperament about them to do that i mean as much as as much as i've you know I've talked about the bad side and you know the lack of uh, defensive organization midfield issues et cetera et cetera when you know it's you've just gone three three and that guy has scored against you and he's done all that he's done all that, and you know the, your whole crowd your whole home crowd has just lost all the air of all of their balloons and the ball gets in front of you like that and you know that it's this it's this or it's nothing i don't understand how you have the bottle to do that i mean that is absolutely elite level mentality to me it, it's just crazy but as as it went in and it, it, the camera panned towards rishalson i was reminded of two things um one was when i've kind of first moved in um with my girlfriend Uh, So she she kind of uh, followed football, but from a little bit of an arm's length perspective, and uh, so she didn't really know a lot about, especially other teams in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. And she then made me she then overheard me saying, um, "Oh, this you know this team is so Spursy, Spurs are so Spursy." And she goes, "That's not a real word, you know. You must have made that up." And then I was like, "No," and it's actually if you Google it, (laughs) it's. It's got its own definition in like the urban dictionary and stuff, and it, it it she was just so amused by this. Just it's not possible that one team has a reputation for messing things up like this. It's not possible. It's it's just not a thing. And what she's found is over the you know all her years now of like watching extra football matches, she knows exactly what this is. She just she she was just like, I don't know why you guys were sweating. It is Spurs. And the second thing is, I was uh, there, there. There used to be this web uh, thing. I think it was by Lad Bible or something like that, where they got two opposition fans across this table. They were having drinks, and then they they throw them questions. Like the Liverpool United one was like, "Who's better, Steven Gerrard or, or Paul Scholes?" And you had to put your drink on strongly disagree to strongly agree, and then argue about it. And the one was Tottenham Arsenal. And the Tottenham fan, the well, they were both asked, "Is Spurs the most Spursy team you've ever seen in your life?" <laughs> and the Arsenal fan, which I think was Ty from AfTV, he was like, "I agree." The Spurs fan actually put his his beer on. I very strongly agree. <laughs> he says, "This it, it, you cannot deny it. As a Spurs fan, you absolutely cannot deny." that there is no way your team could be in so many winning positions, whether it matters or not towards trophies or league position or anything. There is, it's just impossible to see any other team do this as often. It's, it's ridiculous and it's beyond pantomime now, but they are by far the most spursy team to have ever spursed it. And those two things just came to my mind as I was watching Richardson like kind of crumble into the ground, like head in hands and stuff like that. And I'm like, how? Like, it's like the, it's like, yeah. I don't know. We say Liverpool was cursed for a long time, but like Spurs is a special brand of cursed. And I, I like, you can absolutely sympathise with their fans. You know, I know lots of Spurs fans, especially of Twitter and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not saying any of this to be hurtful or take the mick or whatever. It's just. I cannot imagine your plight as a Spurs fan. That is, that is real dedication and I don't know if I would be able to do it, but well done. <laughs>
2: Oh, a nice little um, uh, slide tackle there from Kay. I mean, yeah, we, we love that and we're absolutely thrilled. Right, Kay, um, uh, Carl, I'm going to come to you. I mean, who was your man of the match today? And have you got any like final points or thoughts from the game that you feel that you need to share before we go to man of the match? And you might as well give me your man of the match as well.
3: Yeah, so in, in terms of my final thoughts on, on the game... Um... Obviously, it was, uh I can't even quite say a game of two halves because we were poor towards the, the, the end of the second half, or the first half. Um, I mean, I think it was a game in which showed both our, our strengths and our weakness, particularly in this, this new setup. Um, I mean, we saw some lovely football in the opening 15, 20 minutes where we completely blitzed them and it showed what we can do on the ball and in, in this system. But then we also showed that the gaps there are in this system, and you know, as we've we've said, it needs to be addressed in the summer. We don't know yet whether this system was just simply. I think Gary Neville said during the game. He thinks, well, particularly in relation to Trent playing centrally, he he suggested it's a band aid. It might turn out to be that, that this might have just been kind of let's get the best out of this system and then we'll reassess in the summer or this may be the system moving forward but regardless whatever system we're going to play we need to make sure we have the, the right players first first and foremost and secondly that those players are, are well drilled in that system because that's not the case right now on, on either front and, and that's why we're seeing these weaknesses i mean I think it was an important game to get the result in, um, no matter how which way we did it. Because for me, I, I know a lot of people at this stage think, particularly with with uh, United and Newcastle winning earlier in the day, that top four is gone. It's gone. I I I mean, I accept that it was gone. We lost to Portsmouth, but I think nonetheless it's important to finish strong, just purely for the mentality of the team. I mean, that's something we need to be rebuilding. And I think obviously Europa League football isn't Champions League football, but you know, I think it's better than no European football, and I think I've I've changed my stance over that in recent weeks. Not just because um, of selfish reasons, whereby the the final of the Europa League happens to be in my backyard next year. But I think it is important to be in some European competition and and it's one that we we almost won and didn't win under Klopp so it'd be great to to have the chance to set that right as well. So it's important we finish the season strong and and in doing that I think it was key to win today because it is still, top four might be gone but I think fifth and sixth is still very tight with with ourselves. Spurs, even though Spurs maybe wouldn't make you believe that they're in a a battle for for a top six finish the way they're playing at times. Um, Brighton and, and Villa of course so it's tied up there and i, I want to get uh, finish as high as we can and, and that obviously is likely fifth place at this point so it was a key win for for the confidence and and, and against a rival so it's a good result um no matter how hard a job we made of it so hopefully we, we take something from that last minute winner and you know, we, we go against Fulham and we're we're stronger and we don't take the foot off the gas and there's less gaps at the back and, and that that's what you'd hope to see, just improvement by degrees. Um in terms of my man of the match, um I think for me it, it has to be Curtis Jones. Obviously he scores the opening goal and he worked hard from the minute go and until the minute he came Came out off, you know. He was, I think it, and Anfield recognized that he got a great applause as he was coming off. Uh, I think he was excellent today, and, and hopefully, he continues that run going, as we said earlier.
4: Ninza, you're on mute.
0: I was on
2: mute. I was on mute um, I, was just, I was just saying um, you've, t- you've changed obviously the finals in Dublin, I'm still having to warm to the idea because I really hate Europa League football but it looks like we're going down that route and I have to embrace and accept it, I love the shout for Curtis Jones I think probably that's the first time ever that he's had a shout for Man of the Match as well so I appreciate that hey, what about you, what are your um, uh, any final takeaways from the game and who is your Man of the Match
4: no, I just think that at least we've got something. You know, at least we've got a system that gets us goals. It gives us a handle towards winning things. Um, it, it's not despondent anymore, the, the performances. They're not turgid. So, uh, you know, at least we have that now. At least we have that. I, and it looks like this is what Klopp is going to stick with until the end of the season. I, I, I don't really see him changing that much. I, he certainly doesn't have the personnel to do a lot more than this. So, yeah, I'm I know I'm going to try really hard. not get mad (laughs) at things and rein myself in the toxicity um but yeah I mean we'll just I I would just like us to finish the season with as much momentum as possible despite where we finish I think for man of the match I think I would have to go for Trent just because as the kids say he was he was cooking in that first half and I don't think we get those goals um I think we get those goals without lot. Trent, he was—he was—he's just the way he's playing now is with a real strut and from midfield and being almost like the main number ten. It, it, he's reveling in that kind of uh, in that kind of responsibility, even even if we don't have the uh, the opposite transition sorted out. So yeah, I, I would give I would give mine to Trent. I would I would just like to mention Gakpo not sort of as a rival man of the match. I don't think it's that kind of performance, but I do just love that he's working so hard and he's got, you know, wonderful technical ability and let's see what happens next season, you know, once he has a full preseason and uh, this run under his belt. I, it, it looks like, you know, that that position can evolve into something different as well.
2: I love that. Those are two, two great shouts and some great points there. For me, um, I love both of your man of the match shouts. I'm going to... I'm going to move in ever so slightly more to Curtis Jones because he did, open, he did open up the scoring and it was a player that I was not keen on and not sold on, didn't know much about him. So for him, for him to have this kind of performance against a team like Spurs, I know they didn't perform as well as they should, but there are, they do have quality players. And for him to step up and show himself, um, I think that's a massive positive. So I'm going to give it to the other local lad. I'm going to give it to Curtis Jones. But guys, um, uh, th- this has been um, uh, the Dina Carves Show. A massive thank you to everyone that's listened. A thank you to Havinda who called in. A massive thank you to both Kay and Carl for joining me on this podcast. But before I let them go, I try want to get some plugs. Carl, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything that you're working on?
3: Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at KMac of the Cop. Uh, No pause at the moment. I think I swear every time I'm on here, I I keep kind of teasing the the return of uh, 1UP. And I I certainly still hope it will return. I'll have to talk to Guy and um, I think Steve as well is interested in getting involved and we might get something going ahead of uh, the summer, which tends to be the the busiest season for gaming news anyway. So keep an eye out for that if if you like your, your video games
0: perfect
2: timing as well because the football season's over so something else that you guys can get passionate about and guy at the moment is on holiday he should be back so feel free to harass him carl because you know we need to get that boy working you know um and and do and do follow carl on on twitter okay where can people find you on social media and thank you so much for joining us on this podcast
4: now, oh, cool. Uh, you can find me on social media at the Kiln, That's T H E underscore K Y L N. Uh, and I don't have much to plug, but I do want to give a, a shout out to my little sister, who um who's also a Liverpool fan. But uh, just over a week ago, she was admitted to hospital with intense abdominal pain, and oh. they found out that in her appendix was a calcification, which led to an abscess, and it had it had ruptured. But they hadn't uh, they hadn't picked it up until she was. More than a day in hospital somehow, um, but uh, the surgery was extremely complicated. It took it took uh, double the time that was prescribed because of of um, of things that they found on the way there, and um, and the the recovery was also quite complicated. In that she had to fight infection off, and at one stage, her infection count put her into sepsis, which was obviously extremely. Oh. Um, worrying for all of yes. us but yes. she was literally discharged today and uh, she's at home and recovering and infection rate is great and it's just absolutely incredible how brave she's been how amazing she's been through this whole thing and yeah um she's she's gonna get on her feet again very soon but all i can do is is say how much i admire her and mm-hmm. how well she's come through this and all power to her into the future
2: Absolutely, and uh you know I hope she does make a speedy recovery and um you know it's wonderful news that she's doing better and um yep um I guess you know football and things like that are absolutely secondary when it comes to these kind of things, and just hearing you know people come around and and get better and get healthier always always puts a smile on my face and all the best to you and your sister and to everyone that's listening as well, you know good health to all of you, but guys um. Thank you so much for listening and till next time, take care and up the reds.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community